tears pouring down and i can't see past what's in front of me now when it's all too much for this heart to take this one name i call one prayer that i pray god help me now feels like there's no But Jesus, you're faithful and able, and you never once let me down. God, help me now. No matter the pain that my heart may feel, no wound cuts too deep for your love to heal. So when fear comes to find me and doubt starts to grow, I lift up my eyes, I know just where to go. God, help me now. Feels like there's no way out. But Jesus, you're faithful and able.
opportunity to see God's creation throughout the world and realize how connected we are through the grace of God and the forgiveness of our sins and the mercy that he has on us, whether we are blessed with much wealth and prosperity or even those whose lives are significantly more challenging than our own, has been an amazing opportunity and we pray and worship God and pray for the people of El Oregano. This being my first mission trip um, ever, I guess the thing that surprised me the most on the positive side uh, was just how loving these people are, how welcoming they are, even the kids. Everyone's a little standoffish at first, but give it a day and the hugs, the hugs come. <laughs> when I came to Guatemala, I wasn't exactly sure where I would see God. But I see God in Guatemala everywhere, in the mountains and in the forests and the hills, and especially in the people of Guatemala. Their faith is a very simple, but very genuine and very strong faith. They are a very giving people who love the Lord. So this week it's been pretty crazy and fun, but if I had to choose one memory that I that I have that I just love is just being able to go to the pool with the kids and just see the laughter because for this this is something that is very special that they haven't been able to do so being able to do that it's been fun. What do I like best about coming to Guatemala? It's really hard to choose, but I think I'd have to say the joy. There's joy in the way that they treat each other and treat us, joy in the way they worship, and joy in the way they hug. It's hard not to like the people of this country. They're so loving and caring. We enjoy every minute we have with them. And we especially love the relationship with the children and being able to bring games all the way from Ohio for them to play here. And for whoever has Maria as their prayer partner, she was convinced I was her, so I owe you a whole lot of hugs. This time in Guatemala has been different. Uh, the heat is something uh, that we've all had to deal with, but what else is different is the wonderful changes we see at the care point. Uh, Pastor Lucas and his wife Marisa are doing a fantastic job with the kids. We had a wonderful presentation today of the youth singing, using music, memory, um, to all learn uh, about God's Word. It's been fantastic. Yeah, amazing. So we just had a team come back from Guatemala a couple weeks ago. Uh, you saw some of them, heard some of them speaking on the video. I'm going to introduce you to you really quickly, uh, Ken Sparks, who is the CEO of Children's Hope Chest, which is the organization that we work with to partner with El Oregonal. And uh, turn that on, you're good to go. Thanks, Ken. Well, thank you. It is a delight to be here. Um, our corporate headquarters are in Colorado, so I bring greetings from there. But more importantly, I bring greetings to you from El Oregonal in Guatemala. Um, I'm here to say thank you. Your church is amazing. You are a model for a church family that partners, locks arms together, and then pours into another community. 
And I can tell you this care point, El Oreganal, has a wonderful um, future because of the partnership that you guys are living out. And today you're going to have an opportunity, if you choose to do so, to um, sponsor a kid. Now, sponsoring is a little different through Hope Chest. Um, the way that we do it is you're making a commitment to the care point to impact the community and the children. And then the $45 a month helps run the care point day in and day out. Um, and once you make that commitment, then we're going to ask you to take a picture of you and then that will be sent to Guatemala, and then we'll have a matching party there where the children will choose who they want to be their prayer partner, to be their friend. So it gives the children a voice and a choice, allows them some dignity in this process, and it starts the whole process of helping to make an impact on the children, on their households, and then the community around. Um, it's a beautiful setting uh, that the Care Point's located in, and you guys have been a phenomenal partner. And so I wanted to thank you. And um, so there'll be some volunteers out in the hallway after the service. So if you want to join in and be a member of the team here that's locking arms to make an impact there. So thank you. Thanks, Ken. Uh, Ken mentioned out in the commons after worship today, you have an opportunity if you'd like to uh, partner with El Oreganal and, um, and have one of the kids pick you. If you're not already sponsoring a child there, then we have volunteers out in the commons today. And uh, we'll, we'll keep that open too. I mean, we have 50 children who are in need of being sponsored. And so, um, yeah, just a great opportunity if you're online today and not here in person, there are opportunities for you as well to get plugged in there. Um, welcome everybody to worship. My name is Aaron Rosenau, one of the pastors here at Faith. So good to have you in worship, whether that is online or in person today. Um, we are continuing a series that we just started last week. It's going to take us 12 weeks. Uh, the series is called Hall of Faith. We're looking at 12 stories of men and women in the in the especially in the Old Testament, not exclusively in the Old Testament, but most of them in the Old Testament, lived before Jesus, who lived by faith in God, trusted in him, and followed him where he called them to go. We're going to talk about Abraham today. There's also a service of communion today, so we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We believe that we're very much sinners in need of God's grace. He gives us that grace, what we call real presence, that he comes with the very body and blood of Christ in with and under the bread and wine. Um, he offers us the body and blood of Christ for our forgiveness, that we would have forgiveness of sins won for us on the cross by Jesus. And so if that is your belief as well, then we invite you to join us as we celebrate the Lord's Supper a little bit later. Um, this is also the third weekend of the month. Third weekend of the month, we like to do two things. Third weekend, we like to bring in food items that we give to local food pantries here. So we're not just thinking about world need, but we're also talking about local need. And uh, it, you might know this, we're celebrating our 75th anniversary as a congregation this February. And in our 75th year, we're, we have a goal of bringing in 7,500 pounds of food that we're giving away. We're a little over 1,800 pounds right now, so we're on our way to that goal. You can help us with that. So this is the weekend to bring it in. You can bring it anytime, but especially on the third weekend. The other thing we like to do on the third weekend is give a portion of our offering away. And uh, so each month we have a designated recipient for the what we call loose plate offering. And so if it's not exactly designated to faith, it's you know a $20 bill or 25 cents, whatever it is, we give that away. 
and that is going to Children's Hope Chest this month to really uh, bolster the, the work that they're doing in Ellerig now with us. And um, finally, I wanted to put this on your radar. Coming up uh, about a month from now on October 21st is our second Faith in Action Day. Last October we did this. We sent hundreds of volunteers out in the community to bless uh, people all over the Fox Valley. And we're gonna do that again, October 21st, it's a Saturday. Uh, just so you know, starting next weekend, we'll start signing people up. So we could use some volunteers to actually help with the signups. So if you wanna do that, talk to me after, the, after worship today. I'll be glad to connect you there to help us sign up our, um, our servants for faith in action. All right, uh, that's the announcements I have. I'm gonna hand it over to the band. Eliza's leading the, leading the way. Uh, we're gonna worship the Lord. Take it away. All right, everybody, let's stay in congregation and let's worship the Lord with this first song, Build Your Kingdom Here.
Almighty God, we come to you and repent for things done and things left undone. We are sorry for ignoring your truth, for becoming distracted with the things of this world and giving into temptation. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. We're fixating on the things of this world and losing sight of your eternal kingdom. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. For pursuing earthly power and influence over others instead of submitting to your will and following the Holy Spirit. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. For allowing our fears and anxieties to undermine our trust in you. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. For overlooking your extravagant love for us and letting the approval of and acceptance of others motivate our decisions and self-worth. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us. How often do we overlook God's extravagant love, overlook the needs of others, overlook God's call upon our lives to serve and give with generosity? God overlooks too. God overlooks your sin because he poured out your sin upon Jesus. He clothed Christ with your failure, with your sin and brokenness so that he would pour out judgment on Jesus and you would be clothed with Christ's perfection, love, righteousness. My privilege as one of your pastors to announce God's amazing grace to you, to assure you that you are forgiven in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated as we sing.
Turn to the Word of God today, first in the book of Genesis, two different places, Genesis 12 and Genesis 15, as we hear the story of Abraham. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. 
Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the east and Ai on the east, uh, Bethel on the west, Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children. So a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Our second reading is from the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, only, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. The boundary lines, oh, wow, that, that is not the right words right there. Uh, let's skip to that, past that word right there. I don't know where that came from. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what this is. <laughs> this, this is. This is not the reading that I have here for. Uh, let, me, let me continue. Uh, where were we? All these people were living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. 
Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All right, I mentioned at the beginning of worship that we're continuing a series that just started last week. It's called Hall of Faith. And we're talking about those who lived uh, as the people of God in faith, trusting in God. Now, I mentioned also that we are, um, let's get this up here. There we go. I mentioned that we're celebrating our 75th anniversary as a congregation, and we're called faith. So we thought we should talk about what is this gift that God has given us called faith. Faith in, in Christ. Okay, so we had this reading last week, but it's worth repeating from Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This verse is going to be very important for our entire series. In fact, so important that it's worth memorizing. So if you were over at our Faith Ministry Center last week, you heard me say the same thing. A good way to memorize a passage, and these are just a few words, so it's a pretty short verse. A good way to memorize this is to repeat it. And not just to repeat it in your mind, but actually to utilize all kinds of senses. You're going to see it with your eyes. You're going to speak it with your mouth, and you're going to hear it with your ears. Okay, so say this with me. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And repeat it again. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now I know a little something about being human. I've been one for almost 49 years. And uh, something about being human, when we see it, when we hear it, we might retain a certain amount of it, but when we teach it, will retain so much more. People ask me, how do you remember that? That's in the Bible. Because I teach it all the time. So here's a trick. Go home today after worship, through the week, find somebody to teach these words to. It could be your spouse. It could be your children. It could be your neighbor's children, a stranger's children. You could teach your dog. It doesn't matter. Teach someone these words, and especially the ones highlighted. Okay. Faith is being certain of what we do not see. Say that with me. Faith is being certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, including Abraham. By faith, if you skip down a few verses in Hebrews 11, this was our, uh, our reading today. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his, his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though... He did not know where he was going. I just love that verse. He obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, just real quickly, uh, I want to give a little context to the story of Abraham. So if you look at the map on the screen, world map, see the red box on there? That is generally everything in the history of the Bible is pretty well contained mostly in that little red box in the Middle East. Now, let me zoom in on that a little bit and you see current day Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Turkey in the north, 
And the circle there represents Israel. That's circling around Israel. Most of the story of the Bible is in that section right there, in that red oval, in Israel. Then this circle is Ur of the Chaldeans, where Abram came from originally. He was born there, his family was there, his extended family was there. He came from Ur of the Chaldeans, and God called him to leave there and go to Israel, the promised land. Go to a place I'm going to show you. But here's the thing. Um, Abram did not just go straight from Ur, straight west to Israel. His path looked more like this. He went north to Haran. This is actually shared in Genesis chapter 11. He and his family, including his father, went to Haran, which is in Syria or southern Turkey today. And then on to the land of Canaan, or what we know as Israel today. Um, And actually for good reason. Between what is on the east and the west where Abram started and where he finished his journey is all desert. See where it says Arabian desert? No one is taking a journey of that distance straight across the desert. So he went up along the Tigris and Euphrates rivers to Haran and then down, this is all what's called the Fertile Crescent. He actually followed along the Fertile Crescent down into Israel, what is today Israel. Because the Lord had said, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Now, I want, by the way, notice, you see that there's Abram and we keep saying Abram or Abraham. Abram was his name. God changed his name later in Genesis 17 to Abraham. Abraham means father of many. He was the father of none at that time, but he would be the father of many, uh, many descendants after him. So God renamed him Abraham. But in all, in all, Abram traveled from Ur to Haran to Canaan, a distance of about a thousand miles. Give you a little perspective, that is about from Appleton to Dallas, Texas, on foot. Or New York City, Appleton to New York City is about the same, depending on where you want to go, okay? Now, many of you know that I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. For most of my life, I lived within an hour of where I grew up. College at Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, which is an hour north of Indianapolis. Uh, for three and a half years, I lived in St. Louis after college and went to seminary in St. Louis. And uh, then after seminary, I moved back to Indianapolis and served a church there and then Seymour, Indiana, an hour south of Indiana, in Indianapolis. Most of my life, first 35 years of my life, I spent 31 of them in my er so to speak, right, in my homeland. Until 2010, when God 
called me and my family here to faith, to the promised land, right? <laughs> no, it's, you know, but we had, I had never been here before. I had traveled through Wisconsin a couple times, but I'd never been to Appleton. And all of a sudden I get this call from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we left. We left my homeland and we came here to Wisconsin. Now, in today's world, going from here to Indianapolis is about a six hour drive. And all that to say, while my family and I moved farther away from family, it doesn't come close to what God asked Abraham to do, to leave everything. He, if you are in the ancient world and you don't have cars and you don't have airplanes, you travel a thousand miles away from home, you're not going back. You're, you're staying. You travel a thousand miles and your family's not coming that far to see you either. Abram left everything he knew for a place he had never seen because God said, go to a land I will show you and I will make you great, your name great, make you into a blessing to all nations and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And Abraham believed it. Abraham believed it. Let that sink in for a second. Now, likewise, we're told in Genesis 15 that God promised Abraham descendants. He didn't have any descendants when he went from Ur to Canaan. He had no children. In fact, he was, by the time God approached him in a vision in Genesis uh, chapter 15, Abraham was 100 years old and his wife Sarai was well past having children. She had no children and then she was well past the age to be able to. So not only did Abraham not have children, he had no hope of having children. But God says to him, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as numerous as the grains of sand on the seashore. If you could actually count the stars or count the sand, that's your descendants after you. And Genesis 15 verse six says, Abraham believed God and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord. Abraham never even saw this promise fulfilled. This is what I want you to, to think about. Abraham never saw this promise that his descendants would outnumber the stars in the sky. Well, he had a son, Isaac, and Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau, and Jacob had 12 sons, the nations of Israel, the tribes of Israel. But Abram didn't see the end of those days and he didn't see all the descendants that came after. Abram never saw it, but he believed it. Same with the promise of the land. 
where God sent him to go. Go, he said, this is verse 7, Genesis 12, 7, to your offspring I will give this land. Now, I want to skip for a second to what the New Testament book of Hebrews says about Abraham. Hebrews 11, starting verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob. Abraham never actually settled the promised land. He was a nomad wandering about in the land, but he never actually settled there. So Hebrews 11 verse 10 says, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. What does that mean exactly? means that the promised land was really not what Abraham was after. He wasn't after the cities that you build on earth. He was interested in a place whose architect is God, a place that only God builds, not a place of earth. I find it interesting that God moved Abraham 600 miles from Ur to Haran, that's the place in the north, 600 miles. And Abram actually and his family settled there for a while. But it's like God said, this isn't, yet, this isn't it yet. Don't, don't get too comfortable here. Haran is not it. And they moved him 400 more miles from Haran to Canaan, to Shechem, is the city. It's in the northern part of Israel today. This is a beautiful land. It's a hill country. Shechem, Bethel, a couple of cities that Abraham was uh, visited and, and stayed in for a time. Beautiful country. But that wasn't it either. God said, I'm not done. This is interesting. Genesis 12, verse 9. Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. Anybody, when you heard that, go, what's that? What's the Negev? The Negev is the desert and the south part of Israel. All from, from Jerusalem and Bethlehem and below that, south of that, is all dry and waterless desert. So Abraham left Shechem and Bethel in the productive, lush northern part of Israel, and he went south to the desert. Now, I don't know why or how it is that Abram would choose to leave Shechem and Bethel and go to the desert where it's unproductive, except that it was a way for God to demonstrate to Abram that he is not exactly home yet. This is what I want you to, if you get nothing else out of the message today, understand this. When Abram went to the Negev, it was like God saying, you're not 
home yet. And the fact that it was in a deserted area is a constant reminder. It's like every place that you might spend in your life that is difficult and dry. Maybe you are walking through grief. Maybe you're navigating divorce, crossing through the land of depression or anxiety. Whatever that dry land looks like, you might be wondering, why does God have me in the Negev, in the desert? Because you're not home yet. You are not meant to live forever in this world. God has a world ready for us that is so much better. As good as this life might be, and we have really joyful times in this life, the births of children and grandchildren, we have graduations and success, and we have love and laughter and fun and recreation, we have meaningful work and ministry and things that we love about this life and this beauty of creation, as good as those things are, we're not home yet. Not truly home. God has so much more in store. Hebrews eleven thirteen. all these people, God's, uh, the writer of Hebrews, uh, through the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, is talking about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the descendants after them, all these people, uh, Noah and Enoch, uh, who he named earlier in, in Hebrews 11, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They had not received what was promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Interesting that he actually says they saw them. They saw the promises, but they didn't really see it with their eyes. They only saw it with the eyes of faith. They believed sight unseen. They welcomed it from a distance. And it's the same for us. God has promised a restored world, a new heavens and a new earth. In the resurrection that's coming when Jesus Christ comes back, he is going to restore all things. And we're not there yet. And every difficulty and every challenge we have in this life is a reminder. As we travel the Negev, right? We're reminded we're not home yet. We welcome it from a distance. And in this sense, faith is always directed at the future, isn't it? Faith trusts something that you can't see yet. Last week we sang a song, It Is Well With My Soul. And the last verse of It Is Well says, And Lord, haste the day when our faith shall be sight. We're longing for it. We're just not there yet. A couple more verses, and we'll finish up. All these people admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth, 
They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. That's walking by faith. And that's where we walk. Now, last verse, I actually want to focus on what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. Do you know that 365 times in the Bible, one for every day of the year, 365 times God says, do not be afraid. This is one of them. God says, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. The things of this world are not your reward. As good as they can be, this isn't it. Faith takes hold of something that God has for us, and that is actually God himself. I always like to think Jesus plus nothing equals everything. If you have nothing in this world, everything is stripped away from you. You have nothing, but you have Jesus. You have everything. So God can say, I am your very great reward. So we look to him. Amen. As our worship band is coming back up to lead us in this next song, let me just say a word of thanks. Reminder too, that today is the third weekend of the month. We like to give away a portion of what we receive as an offering here. That is going to Children's Hope Chests to help with our partnership in El Oreganal. And uh, in all the ways that you give to that ministry, but also to the ministry of faith, just say thank you. Let's sing as we prepare our hearts then to come to the Lord's Supper and receive forgiveness in the body and blood of Christ.
in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone flawless stand before the throne I Christ, our cornerstone, we pray that you would hear us on behalf of those who are in need today. We ask that you would strengthen and encourage those who have been dealing with medical issues, illness, facing surgery and recovering. We pray for Richard Roloff recovering from hip replacement. And we pray for Ruth Abraham as she is home recovering from, from an illness and being in the hospital. We pray that you would encourage them, mostly in faith, as they are journeying through, uh, through difficulty, and others, too, that we name before you who are in need today. We trust that you know every one of their needs, every one of their worries, and all of their pain. Lord, we trust that you are carrying them through. Help them to walk with you by faith. For those who are mourning today, we pray for Diane Zulsdorf and her family at the passing of her husband, Bob. We pray for Tammy Banky and her family at the passing of Tammy's cousin's son and all others who are grieving today. Lord, we pray that they would have faith those who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, to trust you and your promise of the resurrection, that promise sustaining and transforming every day of grief with hope, with the assurance that we will rise again at the last day. Lord, we thank you for every good gift which you continue to pour out into our lives. We thank you for those who are remembering birthdays, those who are celebrating births of family members, those who are celebrating weddings and the joining together of lives. Thank you for those remembering anniversaries, including Ray and Debbie Keller at 41 years together, Tim and Diane Rulsa, who are celebrating 48 years together. We thank you for the ministry work of Children's Hope Chest, for our CarePoint partner in El Oregonal. We thank you for 
for the Lord's Supper, which we are going to join together and sharing here in just a few minutes. The body and blood of Christ given to us for our salvation, that we would have hope in the midst of every darkness here. Lord, prepare us as we come to your table of mercy once again to receive the body and blood of Christ and the bread and the wine, that we might have repentant faith that is faith that takes hold of every promise you give to us here, forgiveness, life, and salvation. And all these prayers we lift up to you in the name of, of our Savior, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I encourage you now to share the peace of the Lord with one another. Greet those who are around you in worship today, and then come. Our Lord has his meal ready for you. Oh. 
may this body and blood of our Lord Jesus strengthen you in faith. Know that you're forgiven. Go in peace. Amen. Please stand. Hold on. Hold on. Just a second. (laughs) You got to go with the blessing first. (laughs) Lord, bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Let all of God's people say, amen.